Good evening, good evening, good evening, and welcome back to the Know Your Role Player Podcast. I'm your host, J215Forever. Follow your boy on IG, and on my IG page is my podcast page. That's anchor.fm backslash Know Your Role Player. That's K-N-O-W-Y-A-R-O-L-E-P-L-A-Y-E-R. The best way that you can listen to this podcast is to download the Anchor app. And all episodes, whether you have Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Radio Public, iHeartRadio, will be uploaded directly to platforms as soon as they become available. All right? All right, guys, welcome back. Today is Wednesday, February 21st. We have a lot to get into. Let's jump right into it. All right, so I'm in the process of actually kind of transforming to audio to computer format. So if there's any noise in the background, I apologize, but I think I'm doing pretty good. So listen... Thursday, the NBA returns, and I talked about on Monday Adam Silver's pain. Now, for the first time, I saw Adam Silver frustrated and the ins and outs of how that affects the league. All right, well, let's actually talk about the league. The league returns. We have a ton of games on, so I want to have a little fun. I'm going to do my picks for the games, but I'm going to give you all my 10 hot takes for the second half of the season. All right, so I'm just going to go through these games and pick a winner here um, just for some fun, and I'll, I'll review it on Friday. Okay, Magic and Cavaliers. Cavaliers are home. The Magic always put the Cavs tough, but the Cavs are really in like a zone. I'm going to give it to the Cavaliers because the Magic cannot match the Cavs' guard play. Next, Pistons and Pacers. Um, I'll take the Pacers by a mile. Knicks and Sixers. I love my Sixers. They're not being the Knicks without Joel Embiid. Nets and Raptors. The Nets are 21 and 33. Raptors are 19 and 36. They both stink, but I think the Raptors stink more. So I'm going to take the Nets. Suns and Mavericks, I'm taking Luka at home. Celtics, Bulls. The Celtics usually kind of get played tough against the Bulls, but and it's at Chicago. I'm thinking this game is going to be close, but I'm going to take the Celtics to win. Rockets and Pelicans, I'm taking the Pelicans to win. Clippers and Thunder, uh, I'm going to take the Clippers, man. I'm going to take the Clippers. Wizards and Nuggets, I'm going to take the Nuggets by a mile. Hornets and Jazz, I'm taking a mm, – that could be a little tricky. If LaMelo's healthy, I, I, um, I withhold my pick. But if he's not healthy, I'll take the Jazz. Lakers and Warriors. Golden State is actually favored to win this game. Oh, boy. I'm going to take the Lakers. I'm going to take the Lakers. Kings and Spurs are the last game. I'm going to take the – this game shouldn't be close. It should be close in the first half just because of Wimby, but it shouldn't be close throughout the game. So I'm going to take the Kings and the full game, but I think it's going to be close at halftime. All right. So forget all that. Let's talk about the 10 things that I look forward to in the second half of the season. All right. Now, this is in no, in no particular order. So number one isn't actually number one, but let's go. So hot take number one. I think the Pistons will upset five to 10 teams in the second half of the schedule. And that is only because... Right before the All-Star break, we saw the rise of Jaden Ivey, and it's kind of interesting, right, because we saw how his coach did not play him. He wasn't playing him the right way, and Jaden Ivey actually has one of the highest isolations, um, players to score out of isolation in the league. So it's really showing itself. Cade is finally healthy. He should look to continue to be aggressive. And, again, if there was a team that could beat the, P- the Pistons, excuse me, the Pacers would be one of them, but I don't think they have the shooting. Um, also, even though he did lose Bogdan Bogdanovich, I still expect K Cunningham to pass. I'm not saying they'll win this game, but I'm saying they're going to win games and upset teams, right? They did it a little bit right before the All-Star break. 
I think they're going to do it a lot more. I think they're going to catch teams lacking. And I'm actually looking looking forward to the Detroit Pistons in the second half of the season. All right? Hot take number two. If, and this is a big if, if the Oklahoma City Thunder finish one, two, or three, and the games that decide to win the first, second, and third place is three or less, Shea Gillius Alexander will win the MVP. All right, he was my preseason pick. I did not say it on here, but I do have proof on my phone if anybody wants to see. All right, um, I just base that off of a lot of times with the MVP. Unfortunately, it is narrative-based, right? And if we look at narratives in the West, Minnesota is up two games by them, but you, um, unfortunately, Ant is not winning MVP. He's just not. And Towns is not winning MVP either. So you think, okay, the best team in the league, well, the best team in the league with the best record is the Celtics. And you have to ask yourself, as good as Jason Tatum is, would you pick Jason Tatum over SGA to win MVP? If I put um, SGA on the Celtics, they'd still be really good. They wouldn't be as good as they would be with Jason Tatum, but I'm going to stick with the narrative of a fresh face mattering. I'm going to stick with the narrative of a team that never made the playoffs to kind of skipping a step to usually the team like OKC in their first year making the playoffs kind of like a 6-7 eighth seed. They're going to possibly finish uh, top four as long as they don't fall apart. And again, if they finish one, two, or three in those top three seeds or whether a game or two games apart, I totally expect SGA to win MVP. All right? Hot take number three. The Milwaukee Bucks will continue to be inconsistent. All right, so this is a multi-layered thing. Now, I do believe that momentum matters. And I do believe that after the All-Star break, Damian Lillard will be more aggressive and looking for his own shot, um, scoring more. He just, to me, he wasn't the scorer he was, even the shooting numbers all across the board. They were just down. And I think if he does anything, he's going to be more aggressive. They need it. They need a bed, and it's very important for this team. All right, so that's the first side. But the second side is, and why I think they'll still be inconsistent, I do not buy their defense. I get Patrick Beverly, but defense is a team that is unified on all cylinders to make consistent stops and get consistent rebounds. I'm not buying it to happen for this team. You can Jay Crowder and Patrick Beverly all you want. Listen, maybe they can get key stops, as Shaq says, but I don't buy this team. I just don't buy it, and Doc is already making excuses, all right? I'm not the biggest Doc Rivers fan. Um, I'll get to J.J. Redick and Austin Rivers later, but that's my honest opinion on that. Number three, the Sixers will make the playoffs, but they'll probably be a play-in tournament team, right? And I base this off of Joel Embiid probably will come back, but I don't know if he should come back, right? A weird thing happened with the Sixers to where Daryl Morey got an extension and then Elton Brand got an extension. And I just sat here and asked myself, what exactly happened for these guys to get extensions? Again, the biggest thing that Embiid does is he's a blanket. And what I mean by that is he covers so much stuff that this organization does bad because, hey, my man's averaging 30 and 10 and playing offense and defense, right? Actually, 35 and uh, 12, actually. But the thing is, like, when he's not there, you see all the problems with the team. You see, like, the backup centers. You know, you see that they really can't score. You see that even Maxi struggles without him. And then, again, all that's expected to happen, but I do not believe that Daryl Morey and Elton Brand have built a championship roster. Now, to me, that officially has to start happening this summer. If that doesn't happen this summer, we're in for a big, big summer because 
I'm gonna stay on this topic for. There, there's there's a scenario that happens where the Sixers just kind of continue staying under the salary cap, which I notice each year. Don't make the move. Just kind of make a move where you're good enough, but you're not actually good. And I just wonder when Embiid is like, hmm. Because he hasn't, you know, to his credit, he has never requested a trade. He does like living in Philadelphia, but I, I do understand that he wants to play for a championship team at some point of his career. And we have not provided a championship team. The best team that the Sixers have ever pushed, put together, was versus the Raptors in 2019, right? That was the best Raptor. That was the best roster that we had as far as 1 through 12. That roster was not good enough to beat the NBA champions uh, that would later go on and beat the Toronto Raptors. But I don't know. I just I feel like that he plays so great, he just kind of makes other people look better to where other people aren't doing their jobs. Again, they still struggle at rebounding. They still need wing help. Tobias Harris is not the answer, not the answer at small forward or power forward. Um, they're not developing young guys anymore. And again, then they trade their young asset for a second round pick, which might be one of the trading being something else. And you're gonna have all this cap space, but you still have to re-sign Maxi. You still have to fill the Tobias Harris slot. So again, I want to be wrong and I want to come and say Daryl Morey has made moves. But as of right now, I like the Buddy Hill deal. I think it's solid. Kyle Lowry, I don't have no opinion on. I mean, he's a Philly guy. He's a backup point guard. He'll be fine, right? He'll play 15 to 20 minutes. He won't He won't hurt the team, right? He'll play smart, and he'll do smart things on the court. So I don't know how much Kyle Lowry has in the tank, but I'll take with that as it is. But back to the original point of the Sixers in a playing tournament, they're going to be up and down. So right now they're 32 and 22. They're at the fifth seed. And how I kind of see this thing shaking out is – I believe at some point um, they're going to kind of fall to that 7th, 8th seed. I think Orlando's going to actually pass them, and I think Miami's going to get it together. Now, the Sixers aren't going to fall out of the play-in tournament. I don't think they ever fall to 9 or 10. They're better than the Hawks, and the Bulls are inconsistent too. And they'll, they'll win enough of their share of games, but I'm not buying the Sixers in the second half of the season just doing a whole bunch, making a whole bunch of noise, and we'll see about that. Hot take number three. The New York Knicks will surge. Okay. Julius Randle should be back in about two or three weeks. Um, Robinson, the center, should be back in about towards the end of the season, a month. And I want to see how these things come together. And back to what I was saying about the Knicks. Julius Randle and reintegration to the team as far as Robinson and the rest of their front court, I expect the Knicks to continue to move up in the standings. So right now, the Knicks are 33-22. and 22. I believe the Knicks are going to get as high as the second seed. They won't pass Boston. But every team outside of Boston in the East, I believe the Knicks can beat. And I think the Knicks are special this year, like I said. Outside of Boston and Milwaukee in the playoffs, but in the regular season, outside of Boston, I expect the New York Knicks to have the second best record. All right? All right, my next hot take. The Boston Celtics, barring injury, will return to the NBA Finals. Now, all season, the Boston Celtics have been up and – I ain't even going to say up and down. They've been consistently the best team as far as the standings. Um, if I look at the standings right now, they're 43-12, and 12, right? They have a 10-game lead over the number two seed, and the Cavaliers are six games back. Uh, 120 points per game. They have a 10.1 differential. So I'm going to say this. Boston, the only team that can beat Boston is Boston, 
right? As far as the Eastern Conference, and unless they get hurt, they should clearly go to the NBA Finals. If they do not go to the NBA Finals, I do think something has to change because there's there's no excuse. Like, again, Game 7, you say Jason Tatum got hurt, okay? Something that we can't control happened. But this year, with this team, they're better than they're better than Milwaukee. They're better than Cleveland. They can have match up with every single team. Again, barring injury, the Boston Celtics will return to the NBA Finals. All right. Okay. So after that, we're gonna talk about the Miami Heat. So I believe the Miami Heat will continue to be inconsistent until we reach playoff time. So right now, Miami is 30-25. and 25. They're 13 games back, and they're in the seventh seed right now. They still got some injuries they're dealing with. Uh, Jimmy Butler is out indefinitely with a definite family. Uh, send my condolences to him. But let's be honest about the Heat. The Heat kind of played Jekyll and Hyde, and I'm, I'm going to expect them to play Jekyll and Hyde again. I, I'm going to expect them to kind of play around after the All-Star break in about the last month and a half, two months, I'm going to expect them to have one of the best records in the NBA, all right? I'm going to expect them to play better offensively. I'm going to expect for Hero, Jimmy Butler, Bam, all to kind of take it up a level. To me, they're like the dark horse team that no matter what, you can't count them out. And year after year, we've counted them out, and I'm not doing it again, right? I'm just not doing it again. So they're going to have to prove to me something. And, and the thing about Miami is it – I'm not the guy that says it has to happen in the playoffs. You know, the playoffs are the only barometer. Yes, ultimately, what you do in the playoffs kind of remarkets your team in the offseason, right? But for Miami, like, they've been in the NBA Finals. Like, they've they've been almost as, as popular as the Celtics, but in a different way. You know, the Celtics are favored to win. Miami's not the favorite to win, but they kind of find a way to get there somehow. And I expect them to get there. But, again, I think they're going to be inconsistent in the second half, at least the first three weeks of the second half of the season. And then I think they're going to surge once Jimmy comes back fully. Um, I think Bam's going to take off. And I expect them to finish in the top six. All right, there's seven right now. I think they're going to switch places with the Sixers. Here we go. So I think the Sixers are going to finish in the seventh seed. And I think the Miami Heat are going to finish at worst the fifth seed. The Atlanta Hawks will continue to score a bunch of points and get a bunch of points scored on them. That's not a hot take at all. But the hot take is the trade is coming this summer, right? So whether it be Trey Young, um, DeJounte Murray, or whoever, some thumb, something has to change, all right? Again, the definition of insanity, we all know what it is. But something has to change between the Atlanta Hawks because you're 24 and 31, you don't have a ton of cap space, and you're going nowhere fast. Now, the funny thing is they actually have a really good roster. They got a ton of wings. They got a solid backup big, and they got some veterans that they can expire for trading parts. All right, so that's my wrap-up for more, for more of the most pressing needs for the Eastern Conference teams. Again, I can run through the rest of these for y'all. Washington, they stink, and they're going to continue to stink. The only thing for the Hornets is I like to see LaMelo healthy because I do love Brandon Miller, and I like to see them two play together and develop some chemistry. The Brooklyn Nets are a weird team. Um, I'm a huge fan of Kevin Ollie as a coach. But that roster has like a lot of overlapping players that kind of do the same thing. And again, I love Mikael Bridges, but I do not like Mikael Bridges as your number one option. I think that can be you kind of lead yourself down a kind of a strange road because you have a guy that you love to build around as far as character wise, but he's not going to be he can't be your best player in a championship team. But again, they might not even be trying to be a championship team. You know, the turmoil that Brooklyn has had 
in the last three years, I think stability is more important than anything with them. They just want to have a good team, but good can only get you so far. Uh, the Orlando Magic, they're also going to continue to surge. Again, right now, they're outside. They'll be in the play-in box area, and they're in the eighth seed at 30-25. and 25. I think they're another team that's going to possibly pass the Sixers if the Sixers cannot get Joel Embiid back in time. So we'll see about that. And like I said, I talked about the Bucks already. I talked about the Cavaliers already. And that's pretty much it on that. All right, so let's move on to the Western Conference, all right? Again, this episode will be pretty long because it started off hot ticky, but I just want to talk about teams in the second half of the schedule. All right, so Minnesota Timberwolves. Again, they have the best record in the Western Conference. But the Minnesota Timberwolves freaked me out a little bit. So they have a roster that, again, if they play the Denver Nuggets in the first round, I'd pick them to beat the Nuggets. But outside of them, I do not like their fourth quarter offense. Um, I think they can get bogged down and get really – run some really poor action towards the end of the game. But I, I just don't trust their fourth quarter scoring. Also, it'll be interesting to see how much they have sacrifice and they have to do, right? In some games, Chris Finch doesn't play around. He'll straight bench Towns. And, again, there's some extensions eligible to this offseason, and Towns is a guy that could be moved, right? So it'll be interesting to see how far Minnesota takes this team. Again, I love them, and I think they're going to do well. I don't think they're going to fall out the top four. But as far as the Minnesota Timberwolves, I like to see their offense and close games be a little bit better because I haven't loved it this far. Again, I talked about OKC. I do have a request for the Oklahoma City Thunder, right? I talked about SGA already. But I need Lou Dort to shoot more, okay? He's a pretty efficient shooter that has a very low volume in game-to-game. Again, my biggest thing for OKC would be Lou Dort shoot more. And if Josh Giddy is not a part of their plans, let's get Josh Giddy on the back burner if Gordon Haywood is ever healthy, right? And I would give Gordon Haywood as much as Josh Giddy's minutes as possible. Again, I understand when you're trading somebody that you want to make their stock high, but OKC has the number one. Uh, again, they have one of the top seeds in the Western Conference. And more important than that, they can really make some noise in the playoffs, right? So I don't think just playing Josh Giddy. You know, to get his uh, stats up to trade him is going to, I don't think they're going to matter to them at all. I think they have enough assets and enough trade capital where they can make something happen. Yo, so let's talk about the Clippers for a second. The Clippers are 36 and 17. So if I had a hot take for the Clippers, I'm, I'm just not buying it. And they're such a weird team because Kawhi has been absolutely amazing. Physically, Kawhi has looked as good as he's looked. In probably about two years, right? He's moving well. He's playing defense. He's taking over the game. He's aggressive in the first quarter with scoring. I really like how the Clippers look. But I'm not going to lie to y'all. There's something about this team that I don't buy. Again, to me, the Clippers are matchup based. If they get teams like the Nuggets, I think they can give the Nuggets all the problems in the world. I think they would beat the Phoenix. I think they could beat Oklahoma City uh, also. But teams like... Denver and Minnesota, teams have a lot of size. I think they can give a lot of uh, problems. To me, the biggest issue moving forward is their front court. Their back court is fine. Now, you also want to ask, well, who gets the ball at the end of the shot clock towards the game? That's a little bit of a first take question. But I'm not going to be I'm gonna be honest with y'all. I, I don't buy the Clippers. Now, listen, it's funny because when the Clippers were falling apart, I did buy the Clippers bringing it back together and becoming a good team. And again, when I say I don't buy them, that's for the playoffs. In the second half of the season, I don't expect them to fall outside of the top three. They're 36 and 17 right now. If they continue to, you know, keep the stride and do it as well as they should, they should still have a home court advantage, which is huge for them, right? So I'm, I'm, I'm liking the Clippers, but in the playoffs, I'm not buying them. But I think they'll be consistent in the second half. 
Um, Denver. If I had to use one word for Denver, it'd be wake up, right? Sometimes it kind of just, you know, lull through games outside of the Lakers. And, again, their record is fine. It's 36-19, and 19, but I don't like their depth. I don't like their bench uh, as much as I did last year. I don't think they trust certain guys coming off the bench. And I'm a little weary of Denver. Again, to me, the other part is they could be completely playing possum, and they could just absolutely go on a tear in the second half just like they did last year. But I don't think they're as good as they are last year. You know, I, I heard Nikolai Jokic talk about he wanted to be better than last year's Nuggets. As of right now, I don't think that's true. Now, what I will say as far as my hot take, I think Jamal Murray is going on a tear. Again, him missing the All-Star game is a bigger deal than I think people realize. He's as good as almost any of those guards in the playoffs. He is as good as any of those guards in the playoffs because he won a championship last year. And it's not somebody you want to sleep on, right? And so I think he's going to be coming for blood in the second half of the season. The Dallas Mavericks. Okay, so... The Dallas Mavericks are confusing. I love all their trades. P.J. Washington. I love the, uh, the, uh, the center they got. I like a lot of their moves. Also getting rid of Grant Williams, which is really funny. Because um, apparently he just rubbed people the wrong way and they had to get him up out of there. So Dallas is a team where, like, it's interesting. I, I love Dallas as, like, the, uh, the underdog picks, you know. So, again, Dallas could smoke New Orleans. Dallas could smoke Denver. Dallas could smoke Phoenix. Or they could lose all, all to, to, to those teams. You get what I'm saying? So, like, so 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 let, let me look at it like this. What would be a disappointment for Dallas? I think Dallas has to get into the second round, and I think Kyrie has to stay healthy. I don't think they expected to win the finals or NBA championship, but I do like this roster more than I did before. And, again, as long as Luka and Kyrie are healthy, you have a chance to beat anybody. Again, they're another team similar to the Clippers or their matchup beast. So if I had my hot take with Dallas, Dallas is going to definitely shoot up in the league. So let's look at it right now. So Oklahoma City is two. I don't think Minnesota, Oklahoma City is going to fall. Actually, I changed my mind. I think Minnesota is going to fall to about four. I think that Denver is going to fall to about six. And I think Dallas could move up to the three or four range. So my hot take is I think Dallas is going to surge in the second half of the playoffs. Second half of the regular season, excuse me. For the Sacramento Kings... I'm not buying them. And when I say this, I think they peaked last year, right? And not only did they peak, their defense has not been as good. I think the biggest issue with this roster moving forward is DeMontis Sabonis cannot be your rim protector in the last five minutes of the game. He's just not good defensively, and there as a team isn't good defensively, right? As brilliant as it was last season and as, as fun as they can get this season as they're scoring tears, De'Aaron Fox also has been a little bit underwhelming to where his numbers are fine, but it just seems like he's not aggressive in early first quarters, and he kind of waits to the second half or the end of the game to really get going. And again, I know last year he was like the most clutch player of the year, but I think he could improve his shooting and improve his aggressiveness early in games, right? With that being said, the Sacramento Kings don't make the play-in tournament, but I kind of think they regress. Like I look at teams like Denver, New Orleans, Phoenix, uh, the Clippers, Oklahoma City, Minnesota, all of those teams, to me, could beat them. I don't think Sacramento could really, you know, I think they can get hot and win a game between all those teams, but I don't really think the Sacramento Kings, I think they're going to just regress. So my hot take for them is they'll be fine, and they'll kind of stay where they are as like a 7th, 8th seed. But if they do make the playoffs, I'm expecting a first-round exit. Again, I think changes have to come to this roster, and they have to start to accept some type of defensive identity if they want to move forward in the playoffs. Because to me, they're not stopping anybody. 
And again, their record is fine and what they're doing is fine, but I'm just not buying it. Okay, so the Lakers are the toughest team because I picked the Lakers to win the NBA championship. I based it off of the length and the defense and the rebounding and how much Lakers can just turn up the defensive intensity in the second half and in the playoffs. The Lakers have no chance of beating Denver. Well, as long as Denver is healthy, they just can't beat them. They just can't beat them. All right, so next I want to wrap two teams up together, the Los Angeles Lakers and the Golden State Warriors. So before I do that, I want to run through these last teams because there's not a lot to talk about. The Memphis Grizzlies, real quick. Next year, Memphis will have one of the best rosters in the NBA. The role players that have to step up in the injuries with Desmond Bain and John Morant have been phenomenal. Uh, G. Williams, they they have so many guys that are going to step up next season. I think gold, my, if you want a futures hot take, Memphis will have the best record in the Western Conference next season. I'm standing by that. I think they can get a center backup depth. I think they're going to come for blood in everybody's next next season. And they can get a top five pick depending on the cap space and what they want to do with that. Um, Portland, just play Scoot Henderson and see whatever you get out of DeAndre Eaton. I don't think it's going to be much because, to me, DeAndre Eaton is inconsistent. He plays hard against certain matchups. He doesn't play hard against certain matchups. The San Antonio Spurs have one job. Keep Victor Wimbignana healthy and just get him the ball. All right, whatever your record is, your record is, but you have a star. You have your foundational chip to believe around. Move forward with that. As far as the Houston Rockets, I want to see Jalen Green develop as a passer, um, as a playmaker. I just want to see him more than just chuck shots. I know he can shoot, and I know he has scoring prowess, but I have to see growth in his offensive game because there was rumors before that they were going to trade him for Mikael Bridges, but the Brooklyn Nets didn't want to do it. Now, that's an interesting trade because even though I'm not the biggest Mikael Bridges fan, uh, as far as a superstar, I do like him in a more stable situation with other offensive players that can complement him, right? And so we'll see about that moving forward. <sighs> okay, two more things before I get out of here. The Golden State Warriors and the Los Angeles Lakers, I want to wrap up. Uh, as far as Utah, Utah's going to be really competitive, but I don't think they're going to make the playing tournament. They traded a lot of players that could help them. They still have a really good roster, but I don't think they're going to make that happen. All right, I talked about Memphis. I talked about Portland. So, Real quick, the last two teams I want to talk about, and I'm going to get y'all out of here, is the Los Angeles Lakers and the Golden State Warriors. So all I have to say about that is two things. When it comes to these two teams, they kind of have a Jekyll and Hyde feel. Let's start with the Warriors first. The Warriors have the biggest issue that's so simple to me. Front court um, rebounding and paint defense, right? They can get killed on the glass. It's easy to score on them. And at the same time, they really don't offer much as far as interior uh, post presence, interior defense. Now, again, I know Draymond can help somewhat, but I think it's a lot to ask for him at this point of his career to just stop the center footers, stop the Jokic's, stop the Towns, and kind of help him. They need an anchor next to them, and I don't think that spot has been filled yet. So I think they can struggle with teams rebounding. Now, the other side of that is, is that their offensive player, Steph Curry, was surging right before the All-Star break. Jonathan Kaminga was playing lights out. Klay Thompson has accepted the bench role, and hopefully he can move forward. Again, I am so happy that they actually benched this guy because, you know, I mean, let me change my words. I'm happy Steve Kerr finally made the correct decision. I'm not happy he benched because he wasn't playing well, and I do like Klay Thompson. But I'm happy he finally did the right thing that was best for the team because too many instances – you see him taking bad shots, and in the last game, the bad body language, the sulking, 
you know, you just had to make a stand, right? And so hopefully he can respond well and play good in, in the playoffs or in the second half of the season. But what's more important for the Warriors is they have to rebound. And so it's two players that can help rebounding because they don't have a lot of front court depth. Draymond Green, Andrew Wiggins, and Jonathan Kaminga. Those guys in the second half of the season are going to all have to average six-plus rebounds because, I don't know, their centers just don't cut it for me. Again, I could be wrong, and one of these young guys can kind of develop and step up, but I don't see that happening, and I think that's going to be their Achilles heel. As far as the Lakers, they're kind of the opposite. They do have great front court, um, a paint presence in Anthony Davis and inside scoring, but their issue is three-point shooting, all right? And the other issue is LeBron James, right? And I say that respectfully. He's going to wear down in the playoffs because you cannot trust D'Angelo Russell in the playoffs. The thing about D'Angelo Russell, he's kind of my litmus test as a player, right, as far as when I talk about the game. Yes, he is talented, but the turnovers, the bad shot selection, and the poor defense, it just it kills your team, right? And I thought originally that they would be much better dealing with a Mike Conley than a D'Angelo Russell. Now, to his credit, he has did a really good job in the last couple of weeks with all the turmoil of him getting treated, of playing well, being aggressive, finding a shot, being one of the few three-point options that the Lakers do have, all right? Got to give credit where it's due, but I do not buy that being a sustainable thing for the playoffs. So, again, the poor point guard play puts a bigger onus on LeBron's usage, and he has to do more. Now, he's already going to do more in the playoffs, but I don't think he can sustain energy for long amounts of time, and, again, after games two and three, he starts to wear down. So the longer your series is, the worse it gets for him. Not that he can't play at a high level because he's still one of the best players in the league. But to, to, to draw the energy it takes to win playoff games and dominate like he did when he was 31, 32, 33, that's a lot to ask for a guy that's almost 40 years old. You know what I'm saying? So that's how I feel about that. Now, again, whew, I hope that wasn't too much for y'all. This will probably be one of my longer episodes, but I had to get a lot out. A little bit of a um, split between hot takes and kind of second-half outlooks. But, again, I appreciate y'all's out always. Please like, share, and subscribe. Tell one friend to tell another friend to tell another friend to holler at your boy about the podcast, all right? That is Know Your Role Player, K-N-O-W-Y-A-R-O-L-E-P-L-A-Y-E-R. Y'all be good. Talk to y'all soon. Peace.